Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all, as always, are having the very best of days. I want to get the thank yous right up front. I want to thank the first Friday at First Presbyterian Church in Mankato and all the good folks at the Bird Day Seed Sale at the J.C. Hormel Nature Center in Austin. And congratulations to that fine city as it has become a bird city, uh, meeting all the re- requirements set by the Audubon Society. Now, what uh, would that entail to become a bird city? Oh, I think you have to have uh, habitat uh, is probably the main thing uh, to set up a to become a bird city, and probably, I, I'm not sure about this, but I, I would think volunteers probably, uh, they have three organizations that come readily to mind over there. There's the Austin Audubon Society, there's the Friends of um, J.C. Hormel Nature Center, and there's the Isaac Walton League, and these three uh, do a lot of wonderful, wonderful things. So and they have to do some things. They have to restore, protect, and improve bird habitat. And I'd probably do something, and I'm not sure what they did there. I mean, I know they do a lot of things, but to prevent uh, toxins and other harmful human activities from occurring. And maybe the big thing that they do, and maybe the most important, is that they engage people in learning about, enjoying, and helping birds to thrive. And I believe there's 10, uh, there was a wonderful young lady from the Audubon Society there, and I think she said there's 10 now in Minnesota. Do you know where, are there any more in southern Minnesota? Oh, boy, it's like Bemidji and Cross Lake and mm. Hastings and St. Paul. And I, I I thought she said 10, but those are the only ones that come to mind right off. So maybe there's uh, like five or six, and then there were some other ones that were applying. Maybe that's what she said, because I got the number 10 in my mind for some reason. Well, congratulations and, uh, to Austin. That's great. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. So they uh, had a uh, presentation, and I uh, took pictures because everybody up there, uh, most everybody up there was a friend of mine. So uh, my first time meeting the the young lady from the Audubon Society, but it was a pretty cool thing. I I couldn't have been prouder. It's just one of those things where you're up there and you say, boy, this this is just really the coolest thing. So I'm just so happy it worked out. Uh, we talked a little bit about the raccoons using your uh, your yard for <laughs> a deck. latrine, yeah, latrine or a lavatory, and I heard from a number of people who said they had they're having the same experience. Oh, okay. So, so they, well, you know, everything's got to go, and you got to go somewhere. So <laughs> I guess uh, maybe you're. You're on, I don't know, would that be a Yelp review that the raccoons <laughs> would be giving and saying yeah. we have just a perfect place for you? Pairs, uh, pairs and, yeah. You know, Sunday, oh, what a lovely day. And it was well spent in handsome Hask, Hanska for um, Gail and I. We go to Hanska every year around this time because the Nora UU Church has a Norwegian smorgasbord. 
you get to eat rumagrut and all these svit uh, soup and all these wonderful, wonderful Norwegian delicacies. And there is no lutefisk, which is a uh, real plus in my mind, but my wife likes it. But uh, we had a great time over there watching flocks of flickers pound the ground in search of food. And we marveled at the great woolly bear caterpillar migration crossing roads. It was just, they were everywhere. And the winter forecast of the woolly worms varied. And we the first sighting of a junco was on Friday. So can trackable snowfall be six weeks away? Um, that'd, be, that'd be all right, I think, maybe. Uh, ruby-throated hummingbird got all up in my face the other day. It hovered close to my nose, and I read its actions as an indication the feeder needed filling, which <laughs> it turned out to be the case. But the tiny bird might have been thinking I was a, a large doofus flower, <laughs> and maybe there was some nectar in my pockets. So I filled the feeder as the hummer buzzed around me on the deck, impressing me with the flying ability of a creature weighing a dime or two. And it was likely a young bird. Uh, mature males are the first hummingbirds to head south, then the mature females, and then the immature birds are the last to migrate. And if early in the year, if you saw an adult male ruby-throated hummingbird, it has a forked tail and the outer feathers on the tail are dark with no white tips. A young male or a female has white tips on the outer three large feathers used for steering and braking on each side of its fan-shaped tail. So forked tail, that's an old male. Fan-shaped tail, that's a female or a young male. And if it's all dark tail feathers, that's an old male. And if there's white tips on those feathers, and it's a female or young young birds. A few robins found the yard's bird bath. Uh, one bathed while the other ones drank. Uh, house sparrows chirped cheerfully. Uh, they were here for a day or so. Now they've left again. You know, I find them well worth my attention. I just hope it means they were experiencing joy. I saw some of these spatsies in a large home improvement store, and they're ingenious birds that have learned the highly specialized skill of opening automatic doors by <laughs> fluttering in the right spot to activate electronic eye sensors. Uh, Roger Davidson sent me something from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the Strib, and he said, turns out these people are right. There are fewer birds than there were a generation ago, and the drop in many of our common bird species is noticeable. There are now 40% fewer Baltimore Orioles and 25% fewer Blue Jays and Junkles, for example. Yeah, the article uh, talked about a staggering loss of birds across North America. And the article said 25%, which uh, had me scratching my head because I, I wrote a column about this, uh, I don't know, a week or week and a half ago, and my figure was 29%. Oh. So that, and that was the number I was given by the folks doing the study. But I maybe they've lowered it, or I, I don't know. And uh, they had the list of things that you could do to uh, help birds safer windows uh, birds perceive window reflections as habitat they can fly through, and that's an often fatal mistake. You don't need to treat all the w windows in your house, just the ones the, near the feeders or along a route birds often use. 
You can put decals on the outside of the window to break up the reflection, uh, rows of string, screening. Uh, the second thing they advised was keeping cats indoors. Cats aren't native to North America, and birds don't have good defenses against them. Uh, third one was avoid harmful pesticides. Number four was plant natives. Uh, loss of habitat is a major factor in bird population declines. And then it said number five was shady coffee. And I bet that's what? shade coffee. <laughs> yeah, or maybe it is shady coffee. It's something that you'd buy from a street dealer in a dark alley. <laughs> uh, shade coffee, many of our summer birds, I think of warblers, orioles, tanagers, grosbeaks, they spend the winter in the tropics. And we can help make a difference here. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I, I just I have to depend a lot more on those that uh, partake of the coffee bean. Coffee grown in Central and South America under natural forest canopy offers good habitat for birds. But many growers grow coffee in full sunlight, leaving no place for birds. So um, shade coffee or shade-grown coffee is supposed to help bring about habitat. On those numbers of birds, uh, I've read through the stuff that I got oh, a week and a half, two weeks ago, whatever it was, and they said, uh, I said after reading it, that it appears like ducks and geese are doing pretty well. Uh, wetland birds are doing much better than grassland birds. Uh, Cindy Drill in North Mankato said, of course, it would coincide with my trying to move plants indoors for the cold weather. <laughs> The neighbor's back lilac hedge is busy with white-throated sparrows and chickadees. I filled the ground feeder with cracked corn and millet blend, cheap seed, to the delight of them, a cardinal and two squirrels. I topped off the other feeders and put out a suet block. My seed bin in the garage needs replenishing. Aside from the above-mentioned birds, a little wren nearly landed on my foot while I was hauling a large plant toward shelter. I perhaps was somewhat camouflaged at the time. A Nashville warbler made a startled stop on the gazebo roof, and the backyard feeder has multiple house finches that appear to be still be barely out of the nest, still sporting little feather tufts above the eyes. I may have seen a Harris's sparrow in the lilac as well. Uh, yes, Cindy, I am seeing house finches galore, and you are right. Most of them are young ones and they're coming to the feeder, and I'm hearing house finches singing in my yard now, just as if it was a, a spring, maybe. Uh, Norma May said she saw the first juncles in her yard on October 4th. Carla Bloom. Uh, Carla is, uh, oh, I'm going to, I think, I'm going to go with director. She is the uh, head of the International Owl Center in Houston, Minnesota. And on October 3rd, she said someone found a road-killed barn owl, and that's B-A-R-N, west of Chatfield. While disappointing that the bird is dead, it's a good reminder to have this species on your radar as you're driving roads at night. Yeah, boy, Carla, it's just we just don't see barn owls anymore. So sadly, we had to learn of one that way. Uh, Richard Green sent me a photo uh, of a flock of turkey vultures, and one of the easy way to tell they're turkey vultures, you look up, they look like they have no heads. Uh, Ralph, I talked to Ralph and his um, mother Marvel at First Presbyterian, and he asked about barn bird. He said, if you just talk about barn birds, 
Yeah, when I think of barn birds, what do I think of? Barn swallows. I think of pigeons. Cool, cool. Yeah, pigeons. and I, I think that would be the other one that people would think of. Uh, barn swallows feed on flying insects. So they're infamous for building nests in the wrong places. <laughs> Rock pigeons, they feed on spilled grain. Then we have house sparrows. They build these large and messy nests. European starlings, um, their biggest issue is probably related to the presence of these birds uh, in in their nests. They prefer making nests in cavities. So they can build in the holes, presence in walls, drain pipes. They can get into places where you just soon a bird would not be into. Uh, owls in the barn it used to be barn owls, but uh, we just don't see them much. I do see great horned owls in barns every so often. So I don't know how common that is, uh, but they do find that they're pretty good places to hunt, uh, feed on rodents, mice, even bats and voles. Uh, they prefer empty buildings or that are rarely used where a lot of the other birds, they like having humans around there, the ones I mentioned earlier. How do you control birds in the barn? Oh, you know, most scare devices, and I know a lot of listeners have tried these owls and ribbons and snakes. They might work for a short time, but birds are smart. They figure it out. Um, netting or blocking the area where they're nesting uh, certainly does work. I also see turkey vultures in um, old derelict barns, and it's kind of like a cave for them, so they will nest in there. Uh, Bruce Armstrong of Heartland said he misses the barn swallows that helped him mow the lawn. Cheryl Holland of Blue Earth said every Every day I plan on taking my hummingbird feeders down, only to see another one at the feeders and impatience in <laughs> railing boxes. Hate to encourage them to stay, but hate more to send them away hungry. Oh, dear, what to do? And you're doing good by leaving them up, Cheryl, because uh, they will leave when it's time to go. Uh, Kelly Larson. <clears throat> Kelly is from Bagley, Minnesota, up north of ways. Said juncos have been fervently foraging for several weeks here in the hinterlands. Snow will arrive Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to pause here for a collective shudder by everybody. <laughs> Again, I'll remind you, this is in Bagley, Minnesota. Uh, two good days left to put away the garden hoses and tidy up the yard. Hopefully you are gifted with a few more weeks of autumnal bliss. Well, Kelly, I hope you are too. Uh, Tim Scott uh, sent me a thing from the New York Times, a wonderful article. They do so many wonderful things about nature. This one uh, kind of hit on what Cheryl Holland was asking about. Hummingbirds take their travel cues from light, so they're not going to stay because we're feeding them. A listener said, what is digging up the grass on my lawn? It's... Uh, Probably raccoons or skunks this time of year. They're digging into lawns in search of grubs. Uh, raccoons do the most damage, and they can roll back sod in their quest. Uh, skunks are more likely to tear clumps out of the grass. Uh, another listener asks, how long do young great horned owls stay with their parents after they've left the nest? Owlets move on to nearby branches when they are six weeks old. In another week, when they're about seven weeks old, they're capable of very short flights. 
the fledglings remain close to parents for several weeks, and thereafter in, I guess you could call it a loose association. The owlets often roost together in the same tree, while the adults generally roost away from their young. The youngsters react to the sight of mom and dad with begging calls and flights towards the adults. They want food, and the young owls will remain near their parents throughout most of the summer and may beg for food into October. So that's four to five months after they're leaving the nest. They're still wanting to be fed. Tis the season. What can we look for at this time of year? There's so many cool... One thing, soup sounds like the perfect meal every day. You say, what do you want to eat? Oh, soup sounds good. We'll see the first deer rubs on trees. They show up around the middle of October. Uh, rubs are continually made and refreshed throughout November. Uh, deer scrapes made in the ground with hooves can be observed earlier, but they become common during the last couple weeks of October, and they increase in frequency into November. Again, woolly bear caterpillars, those woolly worms, they're crawling across roads. Folklore maintains that the wider the rusty brown band on a caterpillar, the milder the coming winter will be. Uh, the narrower that band is, the more severe the winter will be. Someone will swear he is not turning on the furnace until he has a numbness <laughs> in his extremities. You can look for that. Migrating birds include Turkey vultures, sandhill cranes, common loons, white-throated sparrows, and yellow rump warblers. And I'm seeing that I've got a yard full of yellow rump warblers. A lot of people call them butter butts. Uh, look for people to channel the flannel. Uh, the way we dress will change a little bit. Uh, buckthorn. I'm trying to think of something nice to say about buckthorn. It's really pretty. <laughs> and it will stubbornly hang on to its leaves. So before too long, we can look out and see that deciduous tree, and we can figure it's one of the oaks maybe hanging on, or it'll be buckthorn. It just says, I'm, I'm keeping these no matter what. And uh, they are, they're really pretty plants. And I've uh, mentioned before, I see, I see them used in hedges, or I used to see them used in hedges. And the last thing I want to mention is, before long, we will get a frost, and right after the frost, somebody will say, I wonder if we'll get an Indian summer this year. And then somebody else will say, well, what's an Indian summer? Well, Indian summer is a short period of above-normal temperatures that occur. The days will be sunny, calm, and hazy, and they follow fall's first frost. So we have to get the frost out of the way. And then we can get that Indian summer, and it's just a little brief respite from what is coming, and we just uh, really relish spending time in Indian summer. And I know that you heard from John from New Ulm. I did. He wrote this letter on a rainy Tuesday, October 1st, and I just got it. It said, not long ago, a hawk flew by me and I got chased by a bunch, and, and it got chased by a bunch of birds. It came back last week and he said, I heard a bird kind of scream, saw the hawk fly away with a sparrow in its claws that it got out of the tree right by my place. He said, where it flew by last time. He said, also not long ago, he saw dragonflies in Walgreens 
And recently he saw a monarch butterfly and sparrow in high V. He said, yes, an employee got and took the butterfly outside. He said, I'm not sure about the bird. And he also observed first night at his, at his dad's house, and that's in Andover, he saw an adult doe deer with no horns uh, with the half adult size young ones in the in his dad's front yard. He said the bad thing is next day when he went somewhere, he saw an adult doe deer on the side of the road, kind of close oh. to the small lake, about an hour or, or one or two miles from his dad's home uh, house. He says, I hope it wasn't the deer that stops by my dad's house. The young turkeys by dad's are now about almost full size. Did see the two herons walking on dad's street again he put a question mark herons not for sure he said days later he just saw one walking i hope a car or a question mark didn't get the other one he said he did get a pretty good photo of the single one walking mostly a grayish color and he's pretty sure it's a heron and now there's a joke for you for al what what kind of vehicle do you use to go to a hayride i do not know an automobile. Oh, gosh. I would have never got that one. That <laughs> so that there you hard. go. Lot, lots of great observations there from him, and uh, great to hear from him. And he says uh, a scan from his sister didn't show anything cancer-wise, but the blood numbers that's supposed to be low went up. So he says it must be hard not knowing what's going on every month. And I'm sure it, sure it is. And I know you've dealt with cancer as well. So it's uh, one of those yeah. things you kind of on your mind. Well, I, I wish her all good health. And it's a, a tough thing. I, I would mention the butterflies. I have seen them in stores too. And I saw one, one or two of them in a supermarket not long ago. And why were they in there? Because they had a lot of flowers in there. So oh. I suppose somehow they found their way to those flowers. And I, th- I thought, boy, that's really cool to see them in there. But then I thought, well, this isn't the best place. So I went over to see if I could chase them off. <laughs> and all I did was send them down the butter aisle or somewhere <laughs> where it's colder. So then I felt guilty about that. And, John, it sounds like um, great blue herons are probably what you're seeing. They're about four feet tall. And they're really pretty. They are cantankerous. Most of our herons and egrets, uh, they don't always get along with uh, those of their own species, except maybe during breeding seasons. So I, I see the great egrets on the lakes, and one will just take up in the air and just fly over to chase another one away. <laughs> it's the only purpose going over there, just to hassle another poor guy. So it's sort of like a family reunion kind of thing <laughs> can be. So it's But um, it's great. And I should mention, I, I talked to so many KMSU um listeners at the two places I was at, Karen, and it was really nice. Sherry Taylor, Bob Jacobson are two that pop up right away, and then a lot of uh, long-time listeners, too, so it was it was pretty nice. And they they said, we love that Karen Wright. <laughs> they didn't say that about me. They said, oh. we love that Karen Wright. And, and um, so I kind of just, I made a face, but it, it didn't help. You know, so. <laughs> so we have a lot of fans out there. Well, that's good to know. But, Al, you know, I I was just telling my students today, I said, we've got somebody who's been on our radio station for something like 35 years. And, well, they could hardly fathom that, you know, because they weren't around. Well, they're Uh, like 19 years old or something. So it's kind of like grandpa to them, I suppose. But you have been uh, one of the stable features here, along with Barb Lamson, who's been here some 30 years, and other folks like Curb Croon and 
Marky Maverick and Ms. Lona. So a long timer, but always great uh, to hear Marky's, from. Marky's been there nearly 70 years, I think, now. So he, he is a winner. <laughs> he, would, he would say it feels like that probably. <laughs> <laughs> None of the rest can come close to him. I, yeah, I found that I was talking to somebody about uh, time goes back so quickly. I said it goes by like a Nolan Ryan fastball. And they gave me an odd look, and I realized right there that time had gone by really fast because they had no idea who Aww. Nolan Ryan, who is a Hall of Fame baseball pitcher and just an amazing player, they had no idea who I was talking about because they were of that, they're not of that generation, so they just had no clue. I hope everybody will come to the cafe today that where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always a high link maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. When I needed to go to the bathroom when I was in the second grade, I'm not sure if I'd gone in the first grade. I was a, a late bloomer. <laughs> I'd raise my hand and say, Mrs. Demmer, may I go to the lavatory? I'd already learned that can I go to the lavatory resulted in more correction than relief. <laughs> the lavatory was the restroom. Most people don't call their home bathroom a lavatory. I've never gone to anybody's house and said, you uh, may be a classmate. But other than that, may I use your lavatory? When away from adults, I called it the laboratory, as I mentioned last week. It was a laboratory because that's how I thought Boris Karloff, the actor who played creepy characters in scary films, would say it. The laboratory. I tickled myself. We've never had a grade school reunion or a writers of a certain school bus reunion, and more's the pity. Perhaps we could take an uncomfortable bus ride before asking to use the lavatory or the laboratory. Remember, folks, heartless us while we're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. Do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Al. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Karen. Bye.